Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Matt Goes to the Movies, and we are here to talk about the movie Prey, a Hulu original um, released today, August 5th, and depending on what you deem Predator movies, uh, this is either the fifth installment in the Predator franchise, or counting uh, the AVP movies, this is the, what was that? Five, six, seven. seventh movie. That would, it it would doesn't be, matter. I don't count them. Yeah, it would it would be the seventh movie in the franchise. But could this be the best movie in the Predator series? It's been a long time since I think a general consensus of a decent Predator movie has come out. Whether you agree with that statement or not, critics certainly harbor those feelings. But in order to talk about that, I've got Harrison from the Basement binge. And listeners, you'll know him from several episodes. Rob is back with us as well. Uh, actually, in studio together with me, Rob. Harrison uh, couldn't make the flight from Utah, but <laughs> Slacker. We're, Slacker. we're happy to have him. So, guys, welcome. We we just, Harrison, you watched it a little bit uh, sooner than we did, but we're pretty fresh off of this this watch here with some pretty much immediate reactions. Yeah, I watched it earlier this morning, and... Um... Have been anxiously waiting ever since. So when you texted me, probably like an hour before we had it planned, you're like, are you ready to go? I was like, I am definitely ready to go. I've been waiting. <laughs> yeah, we've been hearing nothing but positive things about this movie. Um, all of the press that's out there, all of just the the stuff, the buzz about this movie has been overwhelmingly positive. I haven't heard a single negative thing yet, uh, both critically and from just you know casual audience goers. And then... Uh, so I've been excited all day to get a chance to sit down and watch this because um, it's it's the kind of movie I'm, I've sort of been in the mood for, and um, it delivers. It absolutely delivers. So I, I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, I mean, speaking of you know response, uh, Harrison, I know you like to say you know it's not always the benchmark, but so far, 155 reviews uh, puts it at 92 percent on Rotten Tomatoes um, for a movie like this. That's really rare. Um, for 155 reviews and it to be 92% on the audience score right now on 250 plus ratings is an 83%. So in, especially for these movies and really rare company right now. Um, but one that I was really excited about too, um, not only because I do like these movies regardless of their flaws, uh, it's directed by Dan Trattenberg, who directed 10 Cloverfield Lane, has done TV commercials, did the premiere episode of the, the hit show The Boys on Amazon Prime. And I love 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, so I was super excited to see this movie just based alone on him and his directing style. And I think that's the first thing I really want to get into with you guys is really early on in the movie, I'll let Rob talk first here on this. You said, Rob, this should have been released in theaters. Like this is a gorgeous, gorgeous movie. The cinematography should be on a massive screen. The score should have been heard in a Dolby theater. I mean, the, the visuals of this are just stunning. And they took the time to set the camera up to really show you you know, that unadultered landscape of the pre-industrial Great Plains. I mean, it just, it's, you know, I, I'm glad that I got a chance to watch it here at the MGTTM studios because I don't have a 4K TV at home. And trust me, you, you need to see this on 4K. You need to see it with a good sound system. It This movie 
deserves to be seen that way. And I think, you know, I guess we can just kind of get into it now. I, I there's It's kind of controversial that this movie was a Hulu release as opposed to a theatrical release. Um, I haven't had a chance to hear anything from the filmmakers as far as their impression of it. I know that direct to streaming can be very, very touchy, you know, see black widow, you know, <laughs> if you, if you need any, if you need any further validation that that's, you know, kind of a, a dodgy situation at times, I did some reading about this. And from what I gather, the, the powers that be were looking for more major events to have on Hulu. And that's why the decision was made to put this on Hulu as a, a day one release on streaming as opposed to a theatrical release. It's not really like there's a lot in theaters right now they'd be going up against that they'd be trying to avoid. So I don't know. I, I It kind of makes a little bit of sense if you're trying to add more value to that Hulu product because I'm sure there's a couple of shows on. Like I, I probably go two or three months without turning Hulu on. I really do. Um, when there's a new season of Archer, I'm all for it. When there's a new season of Letterkenny and Shorzy was phenomenal. I recommend those shows incredibly. So, um, but outside of that, like when one of your shows that you watch on there is, is not new or current, um, there's not a lot I turn Hulu on for. I don't know. Are, are you, do you guys use Hulu much or do you find yourself hitting other streaming services more frequently? Yeah, for me, cause Harrison, I have a, I have a very specific question for you. Um, for me, I, I turn Hulu on for Archer, a huge fan of that, and then the TV show on Practical Jokers. Outside of that, I I don't know why I touch Hulu. Um, yeah. It's just not something that's like, oh, there's a there's a show on Hulu, and maybe I'm missing out on some cool things on Hulu. But yeah, it's not my go-to thing. So Harrison, with that question posed to you as well and talking about the cinematography, I am super curious because uh, we didn't talk about this directly and I know you were really excited to see this, but based on what Rob and I know about you, maybe Rob felt the same way. I was really curious that you were interested to see this because these types of movies don't seem like your thing. So what drew you to Prey um, and what are your, some initial thoughts on you know some of the things we talked about? Because like Rob said, I mean, we watched this on a 70 inch 4K TV and it almost didn't seem like it was doing it justice enough. Like, I really did want to be in a theater looking at this movie. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. This is a movie that while I was watching it, I wrote down multiple times. I love the cinematography. Why am I not watching this in a theater? The mute, the score is amazing. And the sound design, like the sound design for this is awesome. And most people don't have great stuff speakers in their house like just i mean some do and if sound bar is better than those off your tv but like i i felt like i was missing out and and another reason was i watched it kind of earlier in the day and so light was coming in through the windows and every once in a while there was just this scene it's like i know i'm not seeing this to the potential that i could and it, it it was bothersome so i i agree that this like I mean, I, I don't go on Hulu that much. I don't really watch TV shows. I just want movies. And Hulu actually has a lot of great... Uh, it has a good film selection on there. Uh, but it, this is... It feels very weird that, like, a new big movie that I'm interested in seeing is on Hulu. Like, when I heard about this movie, and then it, like, said streaming on Hulu, I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, that is not what I expected. <laughs> um, yeah. But the the reason that I, I wanted to watch this movie, I've never seen... I've seen one Alien versus Predator movie, at the first one. Uh, not a huge fan. Oh, that's the bad one. That's the only the one. With, 
the one where they're in the Antarctic and the pyramids underground. Yes, that one. Yes, that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that is the only one I've ever seen. Uh, I want to see the first Predator movie. Uh, I ha- it's been on my watch list forever. The reason that I was drawn to this one was is it that it looked different than what the others did, if that makes sense. And not that the others are bad, but but like Rob said this at the beginning, this seemed like the type of movie I've been wanting to watch lately. There was something about the trailer that just gave me a vibe, for a lack of a better word. I, actually, that's like the perfect word. The trailer just gave off a vibe that I was like, I'm into this. It looks like a big, sweet movie. That's exactly what I've been wanting to watch. And then the more I watched the trailer and the more we talked about doing the episode, the more and more excited I got. Uh, it just was like, right, what I exactly what I wanted. Um, so I don't know if we're going to... Yeah, I'll leave it at that for now to not get into spoilers. There was just something about it that that made me excited for it in, an, in a new way. The premise it's of it. It's funny thinking about how great the cinematography is and how great the sound design. Thinking that it's a, it's a new release on Hulu, there are thousands, possibly millions of people who watch this on an iPad today. That makes me sad to think mm-hmm. about. Like, that really makes me sad. I'm thinking about specifically... The use of lighting with in the, early in the film where they're in the in the trees and they've got just the torches and it is black. I mean, it is so oh, pitch so black. good. And they've got just the torches and it's it's lit and shot so brilliantly. And I'm thinking about somebody just sitting on a train watching it on a phone and just like not even with good earbuds in. And I'm like, you're missing out on this experience. You're you're and the moonlight shot where they're both in the tree. Um, Naru is in with the uh, mountain lion. Just that shot in the moonlight is so gorgeous and so well put together and so well framed. And to think that a lot of people are, are not really getting the full experience the way they should is is kind of sad. It, it's weird. I had those exact same thoughts with those scenes where I was like, this is one of those films where like I'm a huge movie theater person. I love going to the theaters. And But there's been a lot of movies I've watched at home, no problem. But there was something about seeing this where it was just like visually – I just wish I had a bigger, brighter screen where I was in a dark room with good sound design. Like it just because and, and it's again credit to this film and how good the cinematography is. It's not just like I'm a movie theater elitist, like everything needs to be in the theater. It's just like, no, this is one that's deserving of that presentation. Yeah, I mean, I I find it funny. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole with it, but if you guys remember way, way back when, um, you know, we had talked about HBO Max back in 2020, releasing all major releases on their show. And, hey, is this like this could be the end of yeah. uh, of theaters. The only thing that you're going to see maybe going forward in theaters is big tent pole releases. Um, yeah, they did that for all of 21 because Wonder Woman was on HBO Max yeah. like right away. And it's, you know, it, it's funny to kind of look back at our conversation there. And certainly, uh, you know, COVID was much more predominant, not that it's gone in the world or anything, but to see the fact of, you know, movies like Top Gun Maverick and things just like rushing back people to the movie theater and the rise of Gru having really great box office results and things like that. Um I was thinking about that conversation that we had had together way back then um, while also thinking about like, man, this should have been in theater and how at the end of the day, like you said, Harrison, you're a theater guy, like nothing actually beats that experience. I, unless I had a movie theater screen in my house, I, I kind of don't care how good my TV is, how good, you know, my, my sound system could be. It's not great. Um, 
it, it just doesn't beat the theater experience. There, there's always going to be, to me, something about it. So um, with all that being said about that, I mean, I, I really want to talk about this movie. And not only is the location that they shoot on just beautiful land that they take time to develop great establishing shots. I was impressed with the number one, how the, the predator ship looked on screen. Um, when you, when you see it going through how the predator looked, his cloaking device. Um, and there were a lot of things too, talking about the cinematography. Um, I was impressed with the actual long shots you got in this movie. There definitely wasn't, you know, this is not Taken 3 or G.I. Joe Snake Eyes Origins. Like, these are not quick cuts. Um, this is a very well-filmed movie. And, you know, going from here, we're just going to be completely spoilers talking about what happens in this movie. Um, but one of the other things I want to get your guys' opinion on, too, is... This is not a mainstream actor movie in any sense of the word. I, I would be hard-pressed for you to ask somebody who's seen this movie that went, oh, I know that person. I know they've been in A, B, and C. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm ignorant and I, there's going to be people that would know that, but I know I certainly don't know. I certainly don't know who Amber Midthunder is, who plays the main character, Naru. Um, I don't know her. I'm glad I do now. I thought she was oh, great. Um, but I, I didn't know her before this. And I think that that lens to this movie is these are not people that you know. And it also, to me, makes their performances more believable. Yes. Because they're people that I don't know. And they seem like just regular people who had really great reactions to seeing this badass looking creature that I got to say, I know the Predator movies are violent, but this really doesn't hold back. This this shows a lot. I, I mean, there's decapitation, slicing, skinnings. Um, it's not shy at all. Like, it certainly embraced the original roots of Predator. And I'll let Rob speak to that first because, you know, Harrison, like you said, you've the only one you've seen is... Uh, Alien vs. Predator, which was PG-13 and certainly doesn't have the the violence that this one does, for sure. Or benefit of being a good movie at all. In any way. <laughs> it's terrible. And I, I legitimately feel bad that that's the only one you've ever seen, because that to think that that's what you base your opinion of Predator on, possibly, um, that, that actually hurts my heart a little bit. Um this movie is definitely violent. Um, it's visceral. It's, it's creative in its violence. It's um, yeah, I almost, not violence for violence sake. I almost want to say it's beautiful in its use of violence. If that, if that sounds weird to say beautiful in its use of violence, but um, it's creative in it. The, the things that happen make sense. It, it's not just for shock value. Um, it, the violence has a flow to it. Uh, the battle scenes, the fight scenes feel like that's what makes sense for these characters to be doing. And, you know, some of it's a little bit gratuitous, but you don't even really notice. You just kind of accept it because you're watching a movie. The variations on the Predator's equipment, you know, that's that makes sense that this is, you know, a couple hundred years older 
uh, of their of their technology. You know, they, they still have the cloaking technology, but you can see the the germination of what we get in later entries. Um, and it's just kind of cool to to have them go a little bit backwards on what that original tech would have looked like and, and where they eventually get to. I, I just loved every single fight scene, particularly when um, when Naru goes to rescue her dog. That whole um, that whole moment is it's like a ballet of violence, um, and I'm fairly certain it's it's a one shot scene. I, once the action starts, the camera doesn't cut away, mm-hmm. and that's a very complex. Like go back and rewatch just that scene the amount of complex action that's going on because you have multiple combatants involved. You have multiple weapons involved. All it takes is one person dropping a, a prop and that thing is over or, or mistiming something that the VFX artist can't, you know, just cover up later. That's a very, very complex scene to shoot. And it was so effective and so brutal. Um, the predator on human violence is great. The human on predator violence is great. The human on human violence, um, really works it's it's creative and there's a flow a natural flow speaking harrison I'll, I'll let you jump into like you know the the violence aspect and the fight scenes being well and something that i was like i didn't really they certainly hit it in the trailer um i did not expect a bear versus predator fight that made sense and looked good on screen like that bear going after the predator looked good and it made sense and i i was sitting there watching it going like in my head i i can't believe this is working so well because it's like on paper like i'm saying it now and maybe somebody's like he's what do you mean he's fighting a bear like he doesn't just shred him like it it works on screen unless harrison's gonna come in and be like (laughs) nah, that's the only thing i hated about this movie no i was gonna (laughs) i was gonna mention that specific scene because you know that bear you know, digging at her when she's hiding in the dam in the river was in the trailer, and then the bear dying was in the trailer. But they hid the fight between the bear and the predator, and mm-hmm. so I had, I kept waiting. You know, that was a part of the trailer that I really liked, and so I'm you know you're waiting for the moment in the movie, and then it happened, and then it gave me more than I was expecting, and so it was like exciting, like oh I didn't know this was gonna happen, and then to see how good it went, like when I was watching, it was like yeah this makes sense, like that bear's huge, like this bear definitely would fight a predator like this. Like, and, and it, it worked so well, like even the way that you kind of think that the bear wins, so to speak for a second, uh, just the way that it was done. I really, really liked everything about it. I, I w- I'll just mention this. Now I saw, uh, I got to read this from letterbox because I thought that this was fantastic. Um, he said, there's a theory that you can use these movies to take the pulse of where action filmmaking currently sits since 1987. And this one feels for this one feels fit for the post John Wick era, precise, well photographed chaos. That's more than a little show offy. What a pleasant surprise, which I think is so accurate. Like mm-hmm. I read that. And I was like, wow, that is a fantastic statement, which I agree with. Like it, it the action, like when that fight scene that, that, um, Rob mentioned when she like pulls her hatchet or whatever it's called back to her and like catches it. It was like like a little show offy in the best way because of what you just watched and how good it was and and every single scene that had violence in it it didn't like the reason that I've kind of been turned off towards these films in the past is I don't like violence like it 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 makes me uncomfortable to watch if I'm being honest and so there's always a hesitancy like am I just gonna get gruesomeness for the sake of gruesomeness that it, it you know I don't like watching where this felt intentional like it felt real I, I would say. 
it, you mm-hmm. know, it, it really raised the stakes and, and created uh, tension. And it wasn't just like, oh, here's a blood spurt because. Well, think about the challenge that the choreography team had making this action seem believable. Because originally when I started thinking about this, it was like, okay, so they're they're setting a Predator movie on the Great Plains with Native Americans, you know, in the early 1700s. Okay, wow, that sounds kind of cool. That's creative. That's unique. That's different. Wow, that's that's so out of left field and I like it. I'm here for it. Hold on, wait a second. Didn't the Predator like mop the floor with a whole army unit of modern weapons, like like firearms, like machine guns, like 50 caliber? Like he, he wiped the floor with those dudes. Like how is a, a group of people whose you know, most lethal weapon is a spear, a tomahawk, and a bow and arrow going to hold their own against this killer? you know, who can turn invisible. And yet never once did I disbelieve the action. Never once did I go, Oh, this is hokey. This is stupid. It all worked. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Harrison, the one, you know, the not one statement, cause you've made a lot of good ones. Um, you know, speaking of things that I just, I totally agree with in the description is the move, you know, the trailer showed you certain things. And some of those story, be- you know, you, you go through the movie and those story beats happen. But I always found myself getting to parts that I saw in the trailer. But using the same phrase that you used is, it gave me more. It gave me things that I didn't know I wanted in this movie. Because again, like, you know, Rob just stated too. Okay, what, how is this movie going to work? How is it believable that this Predator, who, if you've watched these movies, has just wiped out countless mercenaries and army vets and drug cartel gangs and just everything in between. Um, How does this actually happen? And how do you sit there and suspend disbelief to say, I believe that these Native American tribe people can stand up against this Predator? And yet it works. Um, and not only does it work, but I also think that it does a really good job and setting it back, you know, at the time frame that it does, I think it lends it, I think it shields itself from some of the criticism that if it was set in modern time, where the whole thing of, you know, uh, Nauru not being able to be a hunter and her overcoming that, if that was set in like modern times, I think you would have people that would say it's trying to be woke and everything in between, but it's it's a believable time frame for that to be happening. And I think her her very real reactions are believable. And the characters that are around her, you know, including her brother, their reactions are believable. I think that works actually really well in this movie where we've seen it get torn to shreds in some recent releases. Yeah. There are some, a lot of things in there that you said. I, I, the first thing is that it, like you said, it, it, it delivers more than what I thought they could, but I never felt like any character predator or human ever had plot armor or plot weakness. Like I never felt like a character mm-hmm. was in a situation for the sake of making them stronger or weaker for the sake of a good fight scene. Like everything mm-hmm. felt, uh, everything had risk and everything felt real. And the other way that it, I feel like it gave me more was that like at one point when she kind of first escapes a predator, I was like, man, I've, I've grown attached to Nauru and to her family and her tribe 
And now the predators finally here, like you can't just start killing them. But then it introduces the the trappers and the way that it uses that to like prolong the predator action is perfect. Like it gives you it opens up the story to be more than just like what it could have been trapped in, which which is not trapped in, which is is perfect. And the the other thing that I'll um, mention as well that you reminded me at, at the end is that I, I wrote this down. Like I have the biggest love hate relationships with statements like this, and and it, this was happening a ton when the Batman movie with Robert Pattinson came out. That this is a great Predator movie. Like that is a perfect description. This is a Predator movie. So obviously that's like saying this is a nice glass of water and then getting upset about that because it's a glass of water. Like that's what this is. And as we've talked about on the Transformers episodes we're doing, there's, you know, particular franchises and IPs have a set of expectations that almost come with them. And so in that sense, these lives up to those expectations. But I felt like this was just a good movie. Like it was just a good story and it had a predator in it. And the predator was part of that story. Like there was good cinematography. There was good music. There were good characters, including the predator. There was a good set off and payoff. There was Chekhov's flower and Chekhov's mud pit. They were used so well. And so I never like felt like I was having to judge this as like, even though I haven't seen many, but I know them and I kind of know the expectations. I was never having to like view it through the predator movie. I just saw it as a movie and it was good. Uh, and I, 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 again, if I had seen more Predator movies, that might be different what I say, but I, there was just so much about it that was just good. It was just good filmmaking. I think part of that is because it's set completely separate from any of the other films. It has nothing to do with any of the other films because they set it with different characters in a completely different time frame. It gives them you know, a blank slate to tell the story. They're not beholden to any other you know, mythos. They're not beholden to any other characters or character arcs they have to continue with they can just tell the story they want to tell and you know when i first heard about this movie it was just like hmm i love this concept like it got me thinking like what other established ip could benefit from completely switching up their formula into something totally different like could could we get a Star Wars sitcom. Like, would you watch a Star Wars sitcom? Because I would watch the hell out of a Star <laughs> Wars sitcom. Like, you know, like it kind of makes you start wondering, like, what else is out there? Like, setting a Predator movie on the Great Plains in the early 1700s, like, who would have thought of that? Like, there's nothing about the established Predator films that leads you to believe, like, that's the direction they're going. And yet they did. And it worked, like, so well f- for so many yeah. reasons. Yeah, it, it set so far. Sorry, Harrison. It set so far from the first Predator movie that you, again, with the weapons being downgraded, so to speak, and everything, like 300 years before the next time that, you know, from what we know, humans saw a Predator on Earth, um, which is kind of funny because it, you know, he got his ass kicked so bad it took him 300 years to be like, we can finally go back and hunt humans again. <laughs> um, but yeah, it doesn't have, you know, it feels like, yeah, there's so many things that you could tell from this movie and you could like, I certainly could envision them being like, well, we have two, three more stories that we can tell that all seem like a very natural progression up to where this, you know, this universe started in 1987 with predator. They do a really good job with that so that nothing from this movie feels like it was forced in to be like, Oh, well, you know, this is how we got to predator to predator one. And 
you know, I think a movie, you know, Rob said, what other movies would benefit series would benefit from this Harrison. We reviewed one. Um, I think Prometheus is a great example of a franchise that tried to go in a different direction. Um, and based on a couple of things, one that they said it would directly lead into the events of the first alien movie. And then it was still way too far off course. Um, and then fans backlash and we got Alien Covenant. And I think that's actually way worse than Prometheus because they didn't follow what they originally intended. Um, so we've seen that not work in the past. Yeah, I, I think that one to respond to something they said earlier, like it's it's just the time period in which they said it, like when Naru and those two guys that like come back to get her, they first encounter the Predator. And they see the predator mm-hmm. and they react by trying to fight it. Like that felt so real where you put that like today and, you know, like three people in like a family or in a group see a predator, like they're booking it down the street, calling 911 type of thing. And then right. the next thing you know, we got an airstrike coming in, like a, a way different reaction to a predator. And this fits so well. And I, I think that the other reason that it fits well, again, I'm not like a predator franchise expert. I'm, I'm an absolute novice. I didn't like Alien versus Predator, Rob, to rest assured any thoughts you have about that. Um, and and <laughs> okay. I think that the reason I, I didn't like that so much is yeah. that it was almost like just focused on lore. Like, hey, let's let's expand the lore and connect aliens and predators and like take things to mean something that they really shouldn't. Where this, it wasn't yeah. like a prequel for the sake of like, oh, this is how we got to Predator and here's the meaning of everything. It's just like, well, here's a Predator on Earth. And humans are fighting it. Like, there you go. Yeah, that's all we need. Like, we I don't think I'm again, I'm new to this franchise, but I don't need a bunch of lore. I, I don't I just needed what I got. Yeah, and I, I think they made a they made a comment too, Rob, that I was like, okay, like I feel like, yeah, that that makes sense too. I forgot what she called it, but she's like, I saw it. It's not the bear, it's something different. It looked like, a, and they're like, so you saw a monster from a kid's yeah. story? And I was like, that felt real, though, because, I, you know, things that I have heard, and I've actually heard people talk about this, like, Native American tribes had stories like that. Yeah. Like, those are, like, that's a real thing. So it felt real in the movie, not like, uh, oh, well, the reason they just believe this is because of some stupid thing. Like, no, they've had stories like that in that culture. They have, yeah. I mean, every culture that develops more or less on its own develops a mythology of, of one form or another. And and they certainly had theirs. They had stories just like we have, you know, like it, them talking about that boogeyman is no different than like my kids being worried about Slenderman. Like that's, <laughs> it's kind of like their version of it, you know? Um, and I wish I would have caught the name of it so I could have had a chance to look up and see a little bit more about, you know, what what that culturally actually meant to them. I would have would have liked to have known that a little bit. But the fact that the movie didn't hold my hand to tell me about it and just let me kind of understand that that's what it was, I, I sort of appreciated. You know, kind of the, I was thinking about another film that set, you know, kind of a horror slasher sort of uh, monster movie. You know, if you've ever seen the movie Overlord, I, I really recommend mm-hmm. it if you haven't. It's a zombie movie set in the, the heart of the Third Reich of World War II. Like behind, you know, the all the way behind, it's, it's U.S. soldiers behind Nazi lines. And they find like zombies or like what they're actually experimenting on. And it's this really great horror film as a period piece. Um, and I and I really, it, this movie kind of reminded me a little bit of that. That just, I think there's some really cool opportunities 
Um, our modern technology has really made certain aspects of storytelling difficult because there's a lot of things that happen and you would see it in, in like to try to create tension. Everybody's cell phone has to be dead or out of service mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, like, or they, you know, they have to be out, you know, in the middle of, the, of nowhere where nobody can get reception. Like it, it almost relies on a lot of that. Or it, they drop it and they don't know they dropped it. Or somebody steps <laughs> on it. Yeah. Like it, you kind of have to have those shots to set up the sort of tension that you want to set up because, you know, why would you not just take a picture of it and say that, Hey, look, here's the monster. Like, so I, I think there's a lot of fun that could be had in uh, period pieces um, with existing IP. I, I'm curious to see, because this is already, from what I can see, and you pointed out Rotten Tomatoes, like this is doing well, you know? And, and, mm-hmm. and I think that, that people, we just, what the, yesterday we were recording a Transformers episode for my podcast. And before we were talking about everything that's happening with Batgirl, like, DC is taking notes about things that are happening right now. Like, I hope that they do something new and like make it exciting, but don't do something new for the sake of doing something new. If you know what I'm saying? Like this just felt like, Hey, what is something existing that we have and what circumstance or setting can we put it in where we can tell an interesting story? And they did. And it, and it, it works so well. And the thing that I'll say as well is that they chose that they wanted to do something with native Americans. And I appreciate that they didn't like hold back. Like, I mean, I'm not a Native American, but I lived on a Native American tribe for a, or a reservation for a while, and it felt very Native American to me in an, in the best way. Like from the, the the production design to just like the location to the characters and the way they interacted and the way that they fought the predator, just it all felt very real and like like yeah, real is just the best word. And I, I also I had to ask the two of you this: Is this kind of like? archaic predator technology like does it pray from what i understood the predator's technology is more advanced than it is in this movie later right yeah you get the the makings of a lot of the weapons um that you know right now if if you're playing a video game rpg they're level one and (laughs) you you know um because his like that um, shield thing so yes like they don't even have that. They don't have the shield going forward, which that shield was inspired from the God of War video game, which was really cool. Um, that was a cool shot when that thing first yeah, comes out awesome. and he bullets. And then when he we uses both had it, a reaction to that, like whoa! And then when he uses it to decapitate the, the guy when he's pinning him up against the tree, I think that's the best kill in the movie. He yelled. He yelled. Rob yelled out loud. He goes, "That's my favorite kill." <laughs> the predator like stood there and kind of like looked at the tree and was like. Mm. Pretty good. Like, like he was impressed yeah. with himself. Yeah, but yeah, this is there's there's the the breadcrumbs of where this these weapons would go. But his radar, you know, his radar gun from his helmet in the first Predator movie that is a plasma cannon that will blast people's bodies in oh. half. And granted, it's effective in this movie, but. It's not a plasma cannon that is a gun that shoots off of his off his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's it, it's definitely not the same technology that they have in future movies um, at all, and the look is very different. Um, this is even with you know like Predator One and Predator Two. There's a very similar feeling to the two predators. 
you do get the ending, Harrison, spoiler, sorry, if you're, maybe you're going to go and watch these. You do get a couple different looks at Predators at the end of Predator 2. You even get different looking Predators in the movie Predators and in Alien vs. Predator. You don't get this look, though. This is truly like, again, everything seems like it has evolved in this movie. Like, in this movie. The way that the Predator looks is much, especially his, like, his body and his structure. It's very more human-like in, in this movie. And it certainly shows evolution if you know these other movies. And I actually really dug his look in this movie. Um because you didn't really get a great, great glimpse of it at first, but I also like how they didn't just give you the farm immediately. They did do a good job of the suspension of him cloaking in, cloaking out, only seeing parts of him starting to be uncloaked. Um, I thought they had really good tension building for the reveal of what he looked like. And when we finally do get to see the Predator it's earned, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's kind of exciting and it's not a situation where it's just like, wait, I waited this whole time to see that. Like the character design works. It it was good. Yeah, I agree. Like that scene where he's in like the, like where all the trees are burned and like the stuff is blown on him in the wind. That was so sweet. Or like when he picks up the bear, there, there's a lot of it again, not as a predator fan where I was like, this is a, as not just like a, you know, like a dinosaur on screen or whatever. Like, it's something more than that. This yeah. is a cool character that has cool design. Yeah, I also like, too, how he was... Again, he was susceptible, but he was still... And, Harrison, you made a very good point earlier when you were talking. He, he never felt like he went up in power level and down in power level just to make that part of the movie make sense. Like, when he gets caught in the bear trap and then they bring him down really quick and throw the net on him. It was like, okay, his foot's just injured. Like he's not really cut yet. So like him getting up and then just wiping the floor with those guys was super believable. But then when they're towards the final fight and he's weakened, it feels real. Like she can get the upper hand on him because of the damage that he's taken. Um, he never fluctuated to me, which I thought you made a really good point. And, about. And the thing that I'll say about that as well is that like, it felt like, like it felt like he was an individual making decisions that he had his own fighting style. He had his own tactics, his own reactions, mm-hmm. the same way that they did. Like when her and her brother were fighting, like right before her brother died and they're like being really, really successful fighting it. It felt like it was because he was an individual that was responding to a fight scene the same way that like a human would. It's just that he's a predator versus, you know, not a human. And like, it felt like a character in that situation, not just like a, a death machine. Right. Yeah. The predator definitely felt like there were moments where it was celebrating. It, it had a mission and it felt like there were times it was checking off boxes of its overall plan. Um, And, and that felt, it just kind of made it seem I guess more real is the only way I can put it that, you know, it's not just this, you know, cybernetic organism. Um, you know, it, it has, it, it has a mission. It has something it was put here for now, whether it's, it's here to prove itself or it's species, it's culture dropped it off as, as a rite of passage. 
uh, much in the same way we see with with our heroes. You know, they've got rites of passage of their own. Is this what the predators' rite of passage is? Is they have to find these other you know great predators and and take them out in in one on one combat or you know one on multiple combat? Um, it really felt like you know you you're given enough in this movie to make your brain wonder, but you're not given so little where you're like I'm confused as to what's happening. I will also say too with that. Um... It really did feel like, not only from a weapon standpoint, but it felt like his first time on Earth, because like that was the tagline of this movie, was the Predator's first hunt on Earth. And I Until did, they need to send him to ancient Egypt for more cash. <laughs> right. I did I did like the fact though that like he seemed to be checking out wildlife. Like when the like he's looking at the wolf and the rabbit and the snake, yeah. and he's sitting there. And like the ant is crawling on him. Like he was just chilling there. I, I thought that was very believable too. Like he was still kind of like taking in this environment and clearly he's probably had hunts on other planets. I think, um, I don't think this is like the first time the predators have ever hunted anything, but it felt like this was a planet that was new to him. And he was really kind of like establishing what this yeah. is. That CG was pretty terrible overall, but outside of that, I mean, yeah, most of the bad. yeah most of the CG effects, particularly for the animals, and that's hard to get right. I mean, you've got muscle and fur, and you know, just all of the different elements you have to animate to make it work. Is obviously you're you know you're not going to just like stab a real bear. Um, you know, I th- actually felt like the visual effects for the CG animals was pretty good, but that ant was terrible. I don't have too much to say about the ant, but I do have to say that I liked that it felt like the like it gave a sense of backstory to the predator the way that the, again the predator interacted with things like where he just sat in the tree and observed a lot of the time and it 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 was like and i never felt like i was just like the filmmakers thought that the only thing i was interested in was just a death scene where the predator comes and just decimates everybody like i am interested in that to some extent but not all the time and i like that they like had a reserve so to speak in holding back on that appropriately mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and I, I want to talk about um, uh, two things because, you know, we said, you know, where could you maybe go with this? Because um, this is something Rob and I were just talking about after we were done with the movie. And Harrison, sometimes I, I feel like you know things like this because I know you're you're super interested in it. But I was asking Rob, like, how do you establish if this is successful? Because yeah, critics and certain, you know, like it can have really good scores right now, but like, how do you determine that this is successful enough for them to be like, yeah, we're going to spend, cause I have no idea how much this money, this money, <laughs> this movie cost make. I, I can't believe it was that much. Cause it's, it feels like they shot very naturally, you know, on location. They didn't build sets or anything like that. So I can't imagine the movie was, majorly expensive you're not hiring any mainstream actors so you're not have you don't have a huge price tag i'm sure on their salaries um but like do you know how they rate things like how it's determined really like what kind of scale they use for something like this and then i i have a second thing about about the runtime but i'll let you go Uh, i am curious because i've been trying to figure this out um what they're going to determine with this because i don't know if you guys watch the credits but if you watched enough of like this stylized credits at the very end right after the title or either right before it kind of like it showed 
a predator ship showing up to them to to the the tribe um we turned off the movie and Rob said, oh, there apparently there's an end credit scene. I said, in this day and age, why did I turn it off? Like- <laughs> so, I mean, it, it was like puny. But uh, so it, like it, it, it felt like they were like, like, hey, we can do something more if you want us to type of thing. Um, yeah. The director said he does have ideas for more stories for this. So it's, um, it's really, really hard to figure out. But I know that, like, for example, Netflix uh, counts a lot of like um, – watch hours so you know like the gray man how they're judging that is it was watched for this length of amount of time or it was trending on netflix this length of amount of time right so like it kind of the initial response it has to it is that that initial weekend that initial month but then just overall how much stream time did inherit but it is so hard to know that if you're not if you don't work for hulu if you know what i mean so so i feel like the only way we'll know if it's successful or not is if Hulu or, or 20th Century Studios comes out and says it was successful. We're making another one. Like I don't think we'll we'll have insights until they tell us. Gotcha. Yeah, because it's not like you can really call it a success based on how many people sign up for a Hulu or you know maybe a Disney Plus you know the Disney bundle or whatever yeah. you know based on this. It's it's not likely a lot of people decided that that's what they were going to do. It's probably more likely that a bunch of people said, "Hey, that sounds kind of cool." who do I know that has a Hulu account that will lend me their email address and password for it? Right. That's probably more likely. You know, it's interesting. I'm, you know, Matt and I are old enough to remember a time when straight to video was, was pretty much the kiss of death for a movie. Um, or if it was like a blockbuster rental exclusive, like it means Mm -hmm. it wasn't good enough to come out in theaters. So they released it straight to video and you would see this with like a lot of, uh, sequels to movies like you didn't even realize there was a sequel like the scorpion king had like 17 sequels mm-hmm. none of them came out in theaters and they were all terrible like they were all straight straight to video um they were all like progressively worse <laughs> so it, like yeah it was like scorpion king with dwayne johnson okay second one comes out it's twice as bad as the first one yep. the third one comes out it's like three times as bad three as the times second one. as bad as the second one and then the fourth one came out it was like how do you get like this bad consistent with those things <laughs> yeah so i'm kind of programmed to and this is somewhat true in the age of streaming but not always but i'm kind of programmed to be skeptical that a movie that only debuts on streaming is still any good And I think Netflix has really gone a long way to changing my overall perception of it because there's been some Netflix-owned films that have been absolute bangers. Uh, I'm thinking about things like The Old Guard. Like, I that's a phenomenal movie. Like, that's that's an incredible movie. And it was something that they funded. You know, they bought the script. They they said we are producing this. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's they've they've shown that it can be done. So it's. It's it's very curious, you know, how do they gauge if this is successful? And, and to some extent, I almost kind of even wonder if Hollywood knows how to gauge if it's successful or not, um, because I think that I think those metrics are, are always evolving. I, I'm curious to see as well what will happen, because I feel like you, you're onto it with like streaming movies that I almost kind of like wait that initial weekend to see what people say to then determine, is this worth my time? Like a straight like Netflix original movies. I'm pretty aware of when they're coming out and I'll wait for the reaction before I invest my time on it. If do you get what I'm saying? And this is yeah. having a great reaction. We are having a great reaction to it. It has a fantastic Rotten Tomatoes score. I I'm excited to see the legs it has. Cause I feel like it will. I, and I, especially as people realize like 
you know, we, we're huge theater people who support a theater and we're, we're saying that this would be good there, but I feel like people are going to be excited that theater quality, big cinematic movies in air quotes. So you can't see his audio are happening on Hulu. I, I could feel that kind of lending mm-hmm. some excitement more than, you know, another sitcom on Hulu. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely, and like you said, um, you know, this movie was generating a lot of traction in terms of advertisement you know you said like every time we're doing something i'm on imdb and like the top graphic is advertising this movie yeah um when i was on youtube i was seeing ads for prey releasing august 5th um so there certainly was a lot of buzz behind this and even when they did like some advanced screenings like actually in theaters um because they did some you know, screenings of this so that people could start talking about it. There were a lot of people that were like, it's, it's really a shame that this didn't get released in theaters. It, it really should have been. And we talked about that. So I won't, you know, continue to, to go down that path. But um, I did want to talk about the runtime. In this day and age, it's a relatively short runtime. It's 97 minutes in the days of, you know, we just watched a movie that was two hours and 45 <laughs> minutes. We watch, we've talked about the Batman, which is three hours. Endgame, you know, uh, I've watched the Snyder cut, the equivalent of living to the age of 26. Like, (laughs) oh my God. um, You know, um, in this day and age, it's certainly long, you know, their long movies are not so unheard of. You know, it's not like back when Titanic came out, it was like, wait, what? This movie's how long? Um, yeah, it was, it was the first time that a three hour movie actually felt like it made sense. Like people were like, Oh my God, it's so epic. It's three hours long. And now if a movie comes out and it's three hours long, your reaction is generally meh. Right. Um, but with this, the 97 minutes, it never seems too quick. Um, but I also don't like, it doesn't seem like it goes by too fast, but I think the other more impressive thing is I never really found myself in maybe you know, days later, I might have a different thought, but my initial reaction is it didn't either in that runtime leave me wanting more. I didn't necessarily sit there and get done with this and say, you know, if this could have been two hours even, oh man, this would have been even better. Um, And then I read the director talking about how there's no different cuts of this movie. Like, yes, they film, like they film scenes, and they said, okay, this doesn't work. And then, like, well, they they wrote a script. They read it. Eh, this doesn't really work. They did some rewrites. But every he said every single draft that we did always clocked in at 97 minutes. And we never had a time that we had to hit. It's just, for whatever reason, we always ended on 97 minutes no matter what we did with the script. And it just felt right that this movie was 97 minutes. And I read that after I was thinking like, oh yeah, like this movie felt like the right amount of time. And I was just like, huh, like even the director was like, yeah, I like, don't expect a director's cut of this because this is what naturally we came to. Which I think is perfect. Like, like this movie just had a fantastic runtime. Like I don't think it needed to be any longer and I never felt like it was too short. I thought its pace was fantastic. And I felt like where it ended was like, yeah, I'm done with this. Like, like not like where I was tired and I'm like, oh, can I this please be over? But when it finished, I was, I was, I'd, I'd been satisfied. My, my, 
You got to compete. Yeah, more. yeah. Like my yeah. movie watching experience has reached its end, and I am satisfied. You know. Could you have added one more action scene? Maybe you get another group of the French dudes, and the predator just slays all of them. Like, could you have added that to pad out the runtime a little bit? Sure. Would anybody have really noticed? Probably not. But it, this was still the appropriate length. And at that point, that could have felt like kills for the sake of kills. Yes. Which right. I feel like this movie didn't have, and I think that that scene would have brought it, like, would have felt kind of unnatural, like, out of kind of left field. Yeah. Um, like, that scene where he throws the bomb, like, where they're standing there and then the bombs come, which, again, is, like, a a downgraded version of his arm his arm bomb um, in the later movies because it wipes out entire, like, acres of forest. Um in later movies, it has a very wide blast range. You know, if, if there would have been a scene there, like all those guys die. And then all of a sudden there's another group coming after him. It would have been like, all right, this is kind of maybe overstaying it's welcome. Like how many are you going to kill? But yeah, like it, again, the progression was like, yep, natural point. He's killed that amount of people and there's not lingering shots. I was, while you were talking, I was curious. I, did look up again finding statistics on streaming is very difficult the this is and additionally with hulu it's even harder because hulu is hulu here in the u.s and is disney plus internationally so it just makes statistics even more confusing um in international mm-hmm. markets this is in the top 10 in one two three four five six seven seven countries right now prey is which is great for its first day and then overall on all streaming platforms as of today it's at 15 like it's at 15 for today on all things streaming, video on demand, everything, which I'm like, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. So, yeah, not to totally say. This is kind of like a niche movie. Like, this is something I think a lot of people are aware of, but there's not a lot of people that are like, oh my God, that is the movie I need to see this year. Like, it doesn't have the buzz of an MCU release. It doesn't even. There's less people probably talking about this right now than are talking about the fact that Batgirl got put on yeah. the shelf. That's probably generating more buzz to be 15th overall. Um, I think particularly because it's available streaming and you can just watch it. Um, I think this is one of those films that the word of mouth will probably get around and you will see it continue to grow in, in the number of, of hours that it gets streamed. Yeah, which is exciting because it's one that deserves it. Like it, it like it, it, it excites me. Here, here's the thing. People always ask me, you know, because they know that I'm big into movies and, and you know, coworkers or whatever, like, what's a good movie that I can watch? I'm excited to have a movie on streaming that they probably haven't seen that I can recommend with confidence. This is a good mm, movie instead yeah. of like, oh, here's this okay-ish movie that's on streaming that I'm only recommending to you because you don't have to rent it. And I know that you can just go home and click on it. Like, th- th- it feels a little bit better to have this in my holster. Yeah. And I, you know, I feel too that one of the things that this movie did is, you know, when this movie first not this movie, but when this franchise started, Predator, 1987, Arnold Schwarzenegger, (laughs) Jesse Ventura, um, this was the ultimate guy movie. Like, this this franchise was not a take-your-girlfriend-a-female movie. Like, this was a dude movie. Like, there's a scene in the first Predator that is two guys doing a handshake and it just sticks on their like huge bulging sweaty muscles. Like it's it's it's, it's the ultimate dude <laughs> flick. Um, yeah, you know, with just real like 
raunchy jokes, stupid one-liners. Jesus Christ, you're bleeding. I ain't got time to bleed. Like, it's just, it's it's quipped with just so many cliche things from the 80s about, like, being a macho dude. But this movie, I think, even though there's the violence to it, this movie gives a branch that multiple people can watch of different tastes for movies. Like, you don't have to be just an action guru to want to watch this. Um, I think it lends itself well to a very wide range of people who watch movies. Yeah, and and I I think having a female lead is a good uh, part of that as well. Like, um, you know, just just like it it doesn't. I I said this at the beginning. I had expectations of a predator movie, and this was not that. <laughs> Well, certainly having the female lead. I mean, how many how many action films have a credible female lead that you can think of? I mean, the first one you go to is Sarah Connor in the Terminator series. Um, you you go to Ripley in the Alien series. Um, you don't really get a lot. I mean, certainly Princess Leia in in Star Wars is you know one of the all time badass of all badasses. Um, but I, I think just having a little better representation and, and there's no part of this that like feels dumbed down to make it believable that a female could perform these. Like she feels like a warrior who is capable of doing what she is. Tasked I with. also like that. Like the more, you know, if we want to put them in the, the, the gender roles, you know, the, her more like uh, medicinal skills that she has because she isn't a warrior first make her a better warrior for the predator like that was cool like i said this movie had great set off and pay up that didn't feel like oh hey here pay attention to this thing because it's really important and we're going to use it later like that flower medicine thing whatever it was it like makes you cold so the predator can't see you like i when they were using that to heal to to, for the guy that they go and save i had no idea that that was going to come back later like it didn't feel like a you know put a pin in this and don't forget It, it, it felt very just part of the events that were taking place. So this might be a first for anything we've ever recorded together. We're almost an hour in and I haven't complained about anything yet. And now I'm about to, <laughs> um, I do, I do think it's a little convenient how they kind of figure out that the predator uses heat vision. Um, it's just kind of convenient. They just sort of figure that out. Like there's really not a great reason for them to be able to have done that. Uh, but at the same time, it's like I, like that's really a minor thing. I think it's okay. It's a movie, you know. I'll get over myself. There's also the one thing where we both we kind of looked at each other during the scene where um, the brother, um, his name is escaping me for a second here. Uh, um, Tabby, Tab- I think I, I'm probably missing. Yeah, I have no idea how to say T A A B E. It's Tabby. Yeah. Yeah, I, I apologize for not pronouncing it properly. It's not that I don't want to. It's just that they didn't really say his name enough times in the movie for me to like really like stick with how it's pronounced. So when when he, you know, is killed, um, Rob and I did both look at each other. <laughs> yes. we, we both looked at each other and went, how the hell did she get away? Yeah. Because they've established that she's not faster than the Predator because when he's chasing both of them through yeah. the field – and the predator didn't divert his attention to the brother long enough for her to be like miles away from him. And in a movie that has really good editing, that was a little again, it's 
it's very minor. It's not like I'm sitting here going, and now this is where I tell you this movie is trash. Um, it, she kind of teleports a little bit. Yeah, it was a very, in a, like I said, in a movie that has really great editing and, and shot location of where things are. That was a very glaring issue to both of us of, wait, how like how is she so far away from him that she's like kind of casually wiping blood off herself in the street? Yeah. And not looking over her shoulder the yeah, whole time. That, that was something that it was like, um, I, I, for, I had forgotten about it because of the way that it continues after that, that I didn't really linger on it, if you get what I'm saying. But now that you bring it up and yeah. I'm remembering it, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, hey, you just kind of let her go so that you could keep doing what you were doing. Like, <laughs> I I would have loved to have seen her brother do like, so he's already pretty valiant in the fact that he's, he's bleeding out and he still like sticks him in the leg. I would have almost loved to have seen him just like go ham for just a little bit and cause enough of a distraction where he knows his final actions would have led to her being able to get away. That would have been a really cool character moment for the two of them. And you know, it, it, we didn't quite get that. Yeah. I, I agree. It was one of the, especially because I felt like the fight scenes were always really ingenuitive and the way that she, that, that Naru kind of interacted with the predator always felt very natural for both of them. It never felt like either one of them was being protected through editing or through, through anything. And, and that mm-hmm. one moment was a little bit like, Oh, now she's gone. You know, that, that was like the, 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 typical thing that you would expect in this type of movie that the rest of the movie didn't do. And and I think it's because I had forgotten about it because of how good the movie does the rest of the time. But remembering it, that was when it was flawed. So if I have to get my final thing, I'm going to try to ruin um, the ending. Um, the final kill. It's really cool. The last battle. Really cool. It does kind of rely on about 18 things to have to go a certain way for his helmet to be the thing that takes him out. Like he has to be standing in exactly the right spot <laughs> for that to happen. And she and he has to be using his pistol that shoots the the railgun, you know, uh, nails. Um, like there's a lot of things that that relies on um, that uh, it's a little just kind of convenient. Like I think it's super cool. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I, I, I will absolutely just kind of like move on from it, but it does rely on a lot of things to have to go a certain way for that to work. Um, I, I know you guys, you know, take notes. We, we joked a long time ago about how I don't take notes for things <laughs> and I just start talking about the movies. I can confirm there is nothing in front of me. As I reopen my tablet <laughs> to look at my notes. <laughs> um, so, so my, my question to both of you uh, and Harrison, if you, if you want to go first, you know, is there anything that you wrote down that we haven't touched on that you're like, hey, this is something that, you know, was interesting or, you know, just something that I, I had to write down and take a note for um, when I saw uh, this? Two things, um, super quick. The first one, the, the, the first one was that uh, I loved how the trappers got involved. Like I, I said this at the beginning, but I just want to say it again because I really liked it. By the time the predator shows up, I really am attached to Naru. And if if it would from that point on, it would have just been Naru versus Predator. The movie would have been an hour uh, because one of them would have had to go. They couldn't have stretched that out. Or having Naru and her her tribe hurt would have hurt me too much, where it wouldn't have been in, enjoyable. 
Uh, and so having the trappers mm -hmm. involved and having them be cannon fodder that I'm okay with dying. Yeah, you need some red shirts. Exactly. And, and it's a very natural red shirt in a way that like you almost feel like like these are horrible people that I, I want them to be a red shirt type of thing. Like not just, oh, they're a red shirt, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> the red shirt. And I, I just think that it, it is it was fantastic the way that was done. Um the the second thing I want to say was there's two things that I feel like are a callback to the other Predator movies that I have to ask you if they are. The line where he says something uh, like, if it can bleed, we can kill it or something like that. Isn't that a Predator quote? That is said by uh, Schwarzenegger's character Dutch in the first oh, okay. movie. Um, but yeah, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Which, Rob, I'll, I'll let you say, you know, say if you did, but... That didn't feel forced. Like in all the other Predator movies, get to the chopper. It, mm. Like all of those lines that they ham fisted back into the other movies felt very, very forced. Like, hey, look at us. Like, we remember this. This one didn't feel, it didn't have the same delivery as, like, I don't think it had the same punch power. But it also didn't feel like, ah, oh, Jesus, why'd they do that? So sometimes a wink can be obnoxious. This was a wink that I was like, yeah, I see what you did. Yeah. I think we all know the difference between like a legit wink and then like the wink where the whole body moves, which I'm reenacting, which you can't see. You know what I mean? Like the like a wink versus like a, yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> which no one can, I mean, Matt and Rob saw what I was doing, but, but we don't know the difference. <laughs> and this felt like the first one where like, for someone like me, it would have been really, really easy to just been like, oh, yeah, that, that was a line. Like there there was just like a little bit where it's like there's just enough emphasis on it that it might be something. Um, so, OK, the, the second question, it makes me like how they did that. The second question is that pistol that has an engraving on it. Is that significant in any way? Yeah. <laughs> so I missed something. Is this something that I missed? Yeah. So I'm going to give Matt credit because um, he, he's a very uh, modest person and he, he won't typically call out like when, he, when he's right about something. Very early into the process, he recognized that that pistol was likely something that we see in later films. And it wasn't until you kind of see the engraving that, um, that you get the payoff that, yes, that is, that is a pistol from the second film. Um, that, and he called it like, like half an hour before it even happened. Wow. So it's, it's something that comes up later in the franchise. Yeah, it is a, it, it, like Rob said, it's a call to the second Predator movie um, where at the end of it, you you get a shot of multiple Predators, predators coming to pick up their, their fallen brother. And as a show of respect to the human who bested him, he throw like the elder Predator, what you find out is what they call him. Um, he throws a pistol to him and he, the character looks at the engraving on it. Um, and then a, like two seconds later makes a call, like, you know, I'm sure we'll probably see him again because it's like, yeah, they've been here for a long time. Um, so yeah, that, that pistol was seen in the second movie as a sign of like honor and respect given to a human that, that killed a predator. Interesting. In so, but yeah, it, it was funny. Cause I was like, is that the one from the second one? Rob's like, it's it's been a while since I've seen that, so I'm I'm not really yep. sure. Like, yeah, no, um, Matt called it, but that was kind of cool. And again, it didn't feel like it didn't feel ham fisted in. It just felt like okay, yeah, like it's so far back that yeah, I could see 
the you know I can see somehow how the predators got that pistol back after they probably like I hate to say it wiped this tribe out. But yeah. <laughs> like, you know, there's there's certain kinds of things that happen with prequels, sequels, you know, expanding on on IP where um, the Easter eggs can almost feel um, inaccessible to the audience who ha- isn't like a super fan of it. You know, there's there's certainly you know Marvel's kind of getting this way a little bit as big as they're getting. Uh, Star Wars is kind of getting a little bit close where if you haven't seen everything Star Wars, you feel like you're missing out on something. Like if you haven't watched every single season of the Clone Wars, there's certainly things that are going on in the in the live action shows right now where you feel like maybe you're missing out on why something is as important as it is. And I think those couple little things they did here, you don't feel like you're missing some great part of the story or you should be in on an inside joke. You know, it's, it's actually something that uh, Lillian and I talked about with our review of rise of Gru. There's, there's some Easter eggs and some winks and some nods, but there's never anything that is so um, required to have seen some of the other things where you feel like you're, you're missing out on the joke or you're not part of the in crowd because you hadn't seen it. And I think these couple little things here, um, are in that same vein. It's it's perfectly fine to have not seen it or not seen it recently enough that uh, you don't feel like you're missing. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody watching this movie going, oh my God, this went from a six to an eight because the gun from Predator 2 is yeah. in this movie. Like, yeah. if you don't know, you don't know. And it's like, okay, there's, there's a flintlock gun there. Like, Great. She uses that as a weapon. Um, I will say the one thing, and I, I want to go back. Like, I want to I want to watch the, the beginning part of this when the Predator, well, when they're walking through the woods, actually, and then watching the first Predator movie. Um, I do feel like they did a little bit of a remix of the score from the first Predator movie. I, yeah. I did call that out. I was like, I, I feel like that's a remix. They're, they're looping that in a little bit. Um, so, like, for my own thought process, um, I, I do want to go back and watch both of these. Like, I'm going to watch this again just because I liked it. Um, but I want to go back and watch Predator and see if it uh, there's that similar tone in, in the theme. Yeah, that would be cool. But again, you don't need to have seen it. Like, it's not going to make my enjoyment of this movie better. Again, it would just be a fun little thing for, like, me or somebody else to be like, oh, it's kind of cool that they did that little you know, remix, so to speak. I, I will say the music in this is fantastic. Like I just, I was doing, I get once the movie finished, I just kept it on and just went about and just listened to the music play over the credits. Cause I liked it so much. The, the other thing that I'll say that I just want to mention, I think it's genius that somebody finally thought to call a movie in the predator franchise prey. Like that is just a genius title. The entire time yeah. I watched this movie, yeah. I was just pleased with the person who came up with the title. <laughs> Some things are just so clever that it just seems it's like, how is that not more obvious for this to yeah. have happened already? And it, sometimes the simplest things are the cleverest. Like <laughs> yeah. that in here, it's like, yeah, that makes it makes total sense that this movie should be called Prey. Um, so that was really cool. Harrison, I know you you mentioned a couple of things. Rob, did you have anything from your notes that we you know hadn't touched on that you felt was important to you or something that really stood out? You know, we talked about my favorite kill right out, or as soon as I saw it was when he was using the shield. You know, it just kind of goes through the tree. But um, the constricting net was such a clever. So he throws this net out, and the thing you know, you just think, okay, he's captured you know this French dude. 
Uh, now he's kind of stuck there. And then you realize the thing is going to like start retracting onto itself and it just pulls the dude into a, a bloody pulp and then completely demolishes the tree that it's under. That was such like, it was almost like saw the level of like, you know, just visceralness that you got mm-hmm. out of it. Like, Oh wow. I did not see that coming. Like it was, it was really clever. I, I really enjoyed uh I sound like a demented person. I really enjoyed the way that guy died. That was awesome. I liked seeing him perish. It was hey, neat. We, we established that it is a, a, a validated red shirt. Right. Yeah. Validated red shirt. Yeah. He's, he's, he's acceptable. You're allowed to root for his death. Um, so I, I did think that that particular trap, that particular gadget was really well executed and a lot of fun. And you know what I sort of liked too, was I liked seeing the tribe, go just going about their life the way that they lived you know like or very early into the movie they find their their wounded uh, uh tribes member and they're building like a gurney for him like they're doing all of these things like i just kind of thought that was so neat to show us that glimpse of how they live their life and these people just you know when she was making that rope like she just made it so easily like for any of us you know that live in the modern world and just have to go into the woods and figure out how to do that. We'd be so screwed. Like it was so cool to just see how practiced and easy that surviving in the wilderness is to these people. And I just thought that was kind of a cool detail and I'm glad the movie showed it yeah. to us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Harrison, anything else on your end with that? Uh, kind of stuff? Last thing I love the uh, poster with her having the predator's blood on her. Like that's just sweet. And I like that she does that at the end. And then again, just to praise the cinematography of this film, it was fantastic. I just, keep having glimpses from the movie where I was like, wow, that lighting was beautiful or that camera angle was great or that blocking was fantastic. Like, I, I don't know. I, again, you have those expectations when you go into a streaming movie and this just exceeded that bar heavily uh, just from a visual thing. Um, I, I really enjoy Like, there's a part of me that wants to rewatch this just to enjoy it visually a second time. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. So, um you know, we're, we're speaking about a lot, you know, a lot of the, the things that we love. So is there a particular, Rob, you mentioned your, your favorite kill. Uh, Harrison is somebody who, you know, you mentioned doesn't particularly like, you know, I'm not great with violence. Like I, you know, I, I can watch it, but there's things that make me uneasy. Um, did you like have uh you know and as funny as it sounds to say the rounds like I'm saying I love how this guy got this number. Um but did you have like a favorite like dispatch from the predator for like in this uh, there would, so I, I really I love the fight between Naru and the it's like three or four trappers with her tomahawk where she kind of escapes and save her dog. Mm-hmm. That was just sweet. From 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 like a story standpoint and a character standpoint, from like an actual, you know production standpoint the way that it was made i love that but i also just like the fight with her and her brother and the predator right before that cut that we complained about just that entire interaction when they're mm-hmm. from like when they're stuck to the tree forward i was just loving it but particularly when the two of them uh doesn't he like come in on a horse and like whack him on the back of the head i think that's how it starts uh yeah and then he yeah then he's yeah that entire encounter i just really liked yeah, I will. I'm going to second that portion of it because it's one continuous thing. And what I like about the the kills, I'll specifically say the kills, and we can talk about whether or not maybe that's like a favorite scene for you. Um, and Rob can mention his. I like the fact that the Predator's kills were varied. If you've watched the other Predator movies, they're a lot of the same kills. 
he spikes them, he shoots them with the plasma cannon, or he hits them with uh, the combo stick that he has later on. Um, you know, there's one where he, you know, he uses the shield, he uses the net, he stabs the one guy, he rips off the one guy's head. Um, but then, like, there's that flip with the axe where, like, the axe flips up and he grabs oh, it cool. and he hits the guy. Like, he, like, he hits the guy with the axe. Like, the, I think you mentioned it earlier with the letterbox thing. It was, it felt very John Wick in the fact that, like, you know, John Wick in scenes, like, he'll kill somebody with a book, then a pencil, then a gun, like, then a sword. And there's just, like, different kills all in the same scene. And that's what this was. He didn't just go through and go slash, 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 one different kill. Like, you know, then he uses those, like, needle bullets to kill the one guy. Um, It was just a lot of variety, which made that scene flow very well because it wasn't repetitive. There was was interesting dynamics in how he was dispatched. Matt liked the fact that there was different ways we got to see people die. He is a sociopath. As someone who is new to this franchise and has, you know, the thoughts that you have about Predator, I was impressed with how little I saw the Wolverine two-pronged stabby thing. Like, I I just, like, I was like, it's going to be in every scene. And then it wasn't. And I I like that. That's, I... the two prongy stab would be X twenty three nerd. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's definitely Laura. You need to read. You need to read a comic. Hey, I didn't right? see Logan. Get she technically is Wolverine sometimes. Show. So, um, Rob, do you, do you want to mention like a favorite like a favorite scene? Was there one particular scene that you liked more than you know another one, or just? Really, I mean, we've really been praising this movie all around. Yeah, there's there's a lot to like here, um, but I I do think my favorite scene is the that long shot where she goes to save her dog, and it's just you know it's it's raw, it's beautiful, it's fast, it, it's violent, it makes sense. Um, there's so much about that scene that as somebody that you know I, I spent a, a portion of my early adulthood in, in the theater world and specifically in the um, fight choreography world, you know, I can, I can appreciate just the, the creativity that goes into the ballet of violence. And that would be the kind of scene that I would show somebody who was interested in getting into fight direction, action choreography and say, this is, this is a high bar. This is an example of what you should be shooting for. Uh, this is well done. Yeah, um, I, I will point out that because we just, you know, kind of praise this movie so much, um, and it kind of sounds ri- like ridiculous. It really does. But you know, Rob and I—we've talked about it a couple times already. We're sitting here, we're watching this movie together, and you know, just like him, where he kind of just out loud while we're watching it goes, "That's my favorite kill." <laughs> um, like the second establishing shot that they do where she's walking through, you know, the land, I just, again, blurted out. I was like, you know, this movie is gorgeous. Yeah. Like I just, I had to verbally out loud say, damn, this movie is good looking. I was alone um, and, and I, I did that. I was by myself. <laughs> like, there's, there's something to be said that like just instinctively, I felt the need to just talk about how good 
this movie looks. So not particularly just, you know, stretching any one scene. I just, I have such an appreciation for how this movie looks and what appears to be just really shot on all natural settings. So Harris, anything you want to follow up with that? Um, No, no, I've got it all. All right. Well, I think this would be time really um, to talk about where do we rate this movie? Um, And Harrison, I'll do a a follow-up question on your rating. Um, I'll I'll let you go first. Um, One, where do we rate this? And two, I I know you talked about the first one. Would this make you want to watch the other Predator movies? Um, So to rate it, I'm, I'm kind of flipping between we're doing this out of five, right? Just to clarify. Okay. Just make sure. Um, I'm flipping between, uh, okay, I got it. It's three and a half, almost a four, but I'm going to leave it at three and a half for the one reason where my uneasiness with like my queasiness, I will say with violence makes it less likely to watch again for that reason alone. Like, just like the genre, like I have a harder, harder time rating horror films, for example, higher just because I have difficulty with that genre. It's not anything but but me, if you get what I'm saying. It, it, so if it wasn't for that, it would 100% be a four. Um, but just because of that, I'll, I'll put it at a three and a half. Um, right. as, far, as far as watching the, the first one, it makes me want to watch the first one, but it also makes me nervous that it's just going to make me want to watch this one again, if that, if that, if that makes any <laughs> sense. Uh, so I don't know. Like, it... it yeah, yeah, that's that's the best way to say it. I think probably, it, Rob, I know you said it's been a while, but I'm sure you probably remember some parts of it. I definitely think he could probably get through the first one. I feel like the second one he would have no time for. Like once he started watching it, and I have a, I actually have a, a love for Predator 2. I, I think now that, Time has gone by. I think a lot of fans have kind of been a little bit more forgiving of, of Predator 2 than when it first came out after the first one. Um, but it is definitely a different feel from the first Predator. And I, I just I don't feel like Harrison would <laughs> make it through it. Like, well, especially the pro- if they get to that that uh, that high rise apartment scene where they come in to take care of that other drug lord and he's got like his girl with him. Um, I feel like that would immediately, like, that would be maybe where Harrison turns that off. The 80s were just a different time in, in movie making, for, particularly this genre. So I, I would worry that somebody who isn't into the other films, hadn't seen the other films, will see this and go, oh, this must be what the rest of them are like. Mm-hmm. They're not. No. So I I think that I'd have to, like, I have a better answer to your question now. I want to watch the first one, but I'm intentionally going to wait because I don't want to watch the first one wanting it to be this. Yeah, you need to to do a couple things in between. Do you know what? Out of all of them, you know, again, if we, you know, don't watch, I'm sorry, just because of, I think you would... I think you would have a field day watching AVP Requiem because of how dark it's shot. I think you'd like, as somebody who loved film, you'd be like, why did you shoot it like this? You can't see. I mean, I thought that with, Um, with AVP, the the not Requiem, like I was just infuriated with how dark it was. So I can't imagine worse. Oh, the the second one is like, they had a flashlight on the back of somebody's phone and that's what they used. (laughs) Um, It's super dark. Um, 
But out of all of these movies, Predator, Predator 2, Predators, The Predator, and those two Alien vs. Predator movies, I think maybe the one that might give him the most kind of feel to this one might be Predators. Yeah, the one with um, Adrian Brody, I yes. think, right? I've I, seen I, most of that. And yeah, it's 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 kind of different. There's, there's enough to go on um, that I think you'd, okay. you'd enjoy it. Yeah, because there's more, I think, story element to that one. Yeah than some of the other ones where like it's violence um but it's a product of it you know it's a film of its time you know the the original one and the set and the sequel are definitely products of their time predators the the sequel 2010 yes because then there's the predator from 2018 not that one uh don't watch that one is it horrible yeah um yeah i mean (laughs) so in my lifetime um in, in my 38 years on the planet, um, I have been stabbed in the hand with a pencil. Uh, I have had hot sauce in my urethra, and I would <laughs> rather have those things happen than watch The Predator. That is not something that I thought would ever enter my ears. Like, in my lifetime, that is something that I never, my brain didn't even have the capacity to come up with, would enter my ears. I'm kidding, by the way. I wasn't stabbed in the hand with a pencil. Um, but, <laughs> That's kind of the ultimate two truths and a lie going on right here. <laughs> no, but the Predator, the the Predator is a severely, severely bad movie. Um, so, but yeah, I think you would enjoy Predators. Yeah, I that's think. the best chance. Um, I'll, I'll go next, Rob. I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you go last here with the review. Um, I honestly, my first initial thought of this movie, I give this four and a half reels. Um, And nothing inherently bad that I, you know, again, I'm only taking off a half a reel, but I just, I can't give this a five. Um, I don't know why I just, I feel like I just can't give it a five, but I, I definitely give this four and a half. It's beautifully shot. I love the soundtrack. I love the performances from everybody involved. I love the new look of the Predator, his fight style. Um, And this, Harrison, you you summed it up before. This gave me more than I thought I wanted. I I didn't know what this was going to be, but it gave me almost everything I wanted and then some from this movie. So it it is definitely up there. Um, I agree with critics who say that, I think from a movie standpoint, this is the best Predator. Now, there's something still, to me, there's something still just inherently cool about that first Predator movie. I think it stands the test of time still. It's still a very watchable movie for me. Um, but this really does, for me, rival the the first Predator movie. I think it's that good. So I'm not the sort of person that I, I need perfection to hand out a perfect score. Um, you know, so... You know, I, I don't I don't reserve a perfect score for like Godfather Two only, <laughs> and and nothing really beyond that, right? Like some people do, and, and Godfather Two and The Last um, Jedi only. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't me this time. Wasn't I know, right? Wasn't me this. You're time. not the rotten anymore. I Harrison, know. I bring up the Last Jedi. The whole world is testing the dogs are living together. episode for the first time ever. I was a rotten, so I had to be the one to bring up the Last Jedi because it was only fitting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Yeah. Um, so, 
<laughs> Good. Uh, so this is a five reels for me. I enjoyed this movie thoroughly. I can see myself watching this again. I've talked in the past that re-watching movies, re-reading books or comics, replaying games that I've already beaten. Um, <laughs> it's just not something like re-watching TV shows I've already seen is not something that I really do a lot of because I just don't have the time. I'm I'm a very busy person. I've got a lot of interest in a lot of things. So I have so I have such a back catalog of things that I want to watch, play, and read that it's hard for me to devote time to something I've already experienced. Uh, this is actually a movie I would rewatch again. So my wife has not seen this yet, to my knowledge. Uh, I know she's interested in it. And if she asked me to sit down with her Sunday night to watch this, I would sit down and watch it with her again and have just as much fun with it. So um, yeah, this is a five reels out of five kind of movie for me. I So when we got done with this movie, I was debating what you were going to rate this. And I, <laughs> I was like, could he give this a five? Because oh, yeah. Harrison, the once the movie ended and for people listening again, like we were here together, we watched this movie. Um, it got done and like the calmness and like the sincerity in Rob's voice when the movie got done, he said, I thoroughly enjoyed the hell out of that. Or, or <laughs> maybe a different word was used, but like just the calmness that he said, I was like, holy shit. Like he really, like he really enjoyed that movie and like not surprised because like, you know, I, there was nothing during the movie that happened where he would have given a tell, like he wasn't interested or he was like, all right, whatever. Like it's just here. Um, but I was like, what? Like I was like taken back by his comment, even though it was like so common. It wasn't like, oh my god, Matt, can you believe it? How was that? And, like that's not Rob. Um, but yeah, I was like, damn, he re like he really enjoyed this, which was cool. Um, and so I was wondering, like, boy, how high is he gonna go with this? Oh, yeah. So well, now I feel it's, just uh, like I'm, a party pooper. So I redact what I said. This is a four. <laughs> <laughs> No, nope, um, too late. Peer pressure. You have to live with that. You have to live with your rotten review. You gave it a three and a half, which is about the same ranking you gave most of the Transformers movies. That's horrible. I no, no. My brain. I have to give this a four. You enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed Age of Extinction. No, this is a four. This is a four. <laughs> if you keep going, we're, I'm going to get to five here pretty soon. If you're not careful, <laughs> you know that is funny though. We've talked about that with a couple other movies. Just uh, you know, as a one of the final points here, sometimes like it's funny how we're joking around about like three and a half. But some like sometimes when you're rating out of five, it's like okay, three and a half. It's like well. Wait, am I am I saying that it's bad? Am I like where if this was out of ten and Harrison was like, this is a seven out of ten? Like, okay, yeah, that's good. I enjoyed it. Um, but like, it, it's kind of funny how sometimes it seems like that might be like, okay, well, yeah, I liked it, but three and a half, and it's like, okay, well, how much did you like it? Like, yeah. it, so it's just it's kind of funny, like you know, laughing and joking here, like no, like I, I got to redact my score. Um, <laughs> Because no, he, like, he can't. He he claimed it. He's got to stick to it. It's not like three and a half is bad, but it is funny to be like, well, does that really relay how I feel about the movie? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. So Harrison, why don't you? Because you're you're always so gracious um, when we're on your show and you give us an opportunity. Um, 
to, to talk about Matt goes to the movies and I'd like to do the same, but I'm not going to, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, tell listeners about the basement binge. Um, it's kind of been a while since, I mean, it feels like forever since you've talked about the basement binge on this show, as I've done some solo reviews lately and done some YouTube stuff. Um, I, I feel like it's been a while since, our listeners have kind of heard you. Uh, yeah, it has been a while, sadly, which it's it's fun to come back, especially with a movie like this. So thank you for letting me be here. Obviously, as you heard us mentioning in these episodes, we are currently reviewing the Transformers franchise over at the Basin Binge because that's what we do. We binge fr- franchises. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. At the time of recording this, the next episode coming out is on the first Michael Bay Transformers movie. And then throughout the rest of August, the rest of the Transformers movies that we reviewed will be coming out. And then also reviewed from the beginning of this year the how to train your dragon trilogy that we did forever ago that i just got so busy and never got around to actually recording will be released so if you enjoyed this this like same spirit of matt rob and myself there is a lot more of it coming in doing some quick math here that's fine that's 10 more episodes you got of this over at the basin binge that are going to be released throughout the rest of this month so uh yeah, Billy Mays over here. But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, that's exciting. Um, you know, additionally, the three-year anniversary of the Basin Binge is next month in September. So lots of fun things that I have planned to do with that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, additionally, the Basin Binge is, is very similar to Matt Goes to Movies. I like movies. I like talking about them. I like having friends on the show to talk about movies with me as I binge through your favorite series or franchises or, you know, individual films here and there and just talk about very similar to this, the things we enjoy about it. Um, lots of fun. So the basement binge, wherever you get podcast. Yeah. I, we're kind of stealing an idea from Harrison because, um, and hopefully he, we're going to work out the schedule for it. Uh, we're planning on doing after transformers, um, the, the born supremacy legacy series, um, even the one with Jeremy Renner, um, even the one with Jeremy, the way you the one, that. Um, <laughs> um, to do, to do those movies as well. But, you know, I, when I was talking to Rob, I was like, we definitely have to wait until after transformers. I, there's, yeah. there's no way I can, I could fit any of those in. And we, we'd love to have a, a schedule where, where Harrison can, can join us here. Um, but before I, I let Rob talk about his, his newest episode and we close out the show, I, I always just find it funny. You know, Harrison just said it's, it's three years almost for the basement binge. And it automatically just made me think about how I started this podcast. I mentioned it before, so I'm sorry to sound like a broken record. Um, I started this podcast because I listened to the basement binge. I was sitting at home during COVID. I had a coworker tell me I should do something like that. Cause I always talked about movies and I, I listened to, you know, uh, this podcast that started out much different than <laughs> yeah. it is now, as Harrison would say, um, for the basement uh, for the basement binge. It it was a trio at the time um, that I that I listened to this and said, you know what, these guys sound like they're having fun. Let me see if I have fun fun doing this. And I, I started with the Star Wars movies um, by talking into his phone. By the yes, way, yes, yeah, like literally just talking into his speakerphone is is how those original episodes are recorded. Like I was a, a coroner doing a you know <laughs> autopsy for God's sake. So like, well, when you were talking about Attack of the Clones, it pretty it much is an autopsy left, of a dead body. Um, to doing a one year anniversary episode with Harrison and Rob talking about the Star Wars movies. 
um, to where the the three of us are now. And it's always just funny to me, and it's never it's never lost on me. Um, I, I met Rob through work. I talked about that before, so I won't get back into the the details of that. But it, it's never lost on me how a simple podcast has brought the three of us together out of you know just not crazy circumstances, but circumstances that unlikely circumstances. Yeah. Um, you know, to the point where, again, you guys, you know, people listening to this episode, you can't see it because we're, you know, videoing this, this audio. So we're talking to each other and things like that. And we can see each other to the point where, you know, Rob's sitting here, we watch Prey inside my home together. I was over at Rob's home about a month ago. Um, we have talked about Harrison, you need to come out to Buffalo and, um, you know, we'll figure all that out, but it, it's just never lost on me what, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for, I will say that. And I don't care if it sounds cheesy or whatnot, or sorry, somebody who's listening, if you don't want to hear that, you're like, I just wanted to listen to you talk about pray. <laughs> um, it just never lost on me the, the friendship and the appreciation that I have for the relationship that the three of us have grown. So I, I'm super happy to have you on here, Harrison. Uh, I'm super happy to be a part of the Transformers stuff. Uh, and I just continue to look forward, uh, you know, doing episodes like this and, and just continuing the, the, the friendship. So I just felt it necessary. Well, I appreciate it. I, I always yeah. appreciate hearing that. And I was, I'll keep this very brief. I was talking to my wife the other day at like, uh, I can't remember how the conversation came up, but we were talking about the importance of like, uh, being pe- like being around people that, um, like share interests in you, like that, that you can let those mm-hmm. out. And I was like, man, I'm so grateful that the two of you that i have that with the two of you because i I don't hang out with anybody else like that not to be depressing but like i just (laughs) at the phase of my life and where i live and the things are happening like i just don't have the time or the people that i've met yet to do that with and so this is a blast so so that's always nice to hear so thank you for letting me be here awesome rob why don't you close this out man yeah, so you know, it, I've ruined yeah. this moment and tell us how you don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> Actually, the studio is a little warm, um, but uh, no, it's it's. I've said this uh, before, but it's been a while. You know, if you ever find yourself in a unique situation where you're surrounded by people you've never met before, maybe you're the plus one at a wedding and you're sitting at a table of people you've never met and will never see again, and you're trying to find a way to connect with people. The simplest and easiest way, find out what kind of movies and TV shows they're into. And holy cow, you've just opened a person up and you've immediately found a way to connect and make new friends. Um, just just through a love of you know movies and TV, it's it's really um, it's really remarkable how those those kinds of things can sort of bring people together. And it doesn't matter if you have the same opinions on the, the major hot button issues of our day or vote differently. Um, there are people who think completely differently than you on, on a lot of the big issues that like the same movies and TV shows that you do. Um, and it's, it's one of the great unifying things of our lives. So, and that's why I'm, I'm happy to share movies, uh, you know, with, with my kids and I, I do a lot of my watch assignments with them. I did not do this one of course, <laughs> with, with them. This one's a bit much for my kids, but, uh, yeah, quick plug, uh, had the opportunity to take my family to see, uh, minions, the rise of Gru earlier this week. And, uh, I thought it might be kind of fun to record an episode with my oldest daughter. So now the MGTTM network does have a female co-host, which is pretty cool to say. Uh, so she's, uh, she's 12 and, uh, we sat down and we talked about minions, the rise of Gru. had a really good time doing that. And, uh, you'll, 
don't be surprised if you hear more of uh, Lillian on the uh, Matt Goes to the Movies Extended Podcast universe. The episode is up and available now. You, you did say she's got the fever now. Yep. She does, yeah. The, the episode was good. It, it was really good. She sounded super excited she had during, a lot, during the episode. She had a lot of fun, and then right after it was asking me when we can do it again. So don't be surprised if uh, if we get more contributions. And then uh, for, for people who like when Eric and I, my brother, uh, have gotten together to do some, some films that have really made a big impact on us over a long period of time, uh, we do have another one in the works. It's just about finding a day to record it, but it'll be soon. Awesome. Well, listeners, thank you so much for, for joining us for this episode. Uh, hopefully you like this movie as much as we did. And if not, we would always love to hear, um, you know, and Harrison says the same thing for his show. All of his notes will be, you know, linked in the, uh, the notes section of, of this episode. So you can catch out, you know, catch the episodes of the basement binge, but you know, did you like this movie as much as we did? Did you not like this movie? Um, let us know. I, I'd love to hear thoughts on this. We always like to hear that. And, you know, leave reviews, everything else in between. There's plenty more coming from both shows. But until next time, you know, thanks for joining us. And we'll see you real soon at Matt Goes to the Movies.